Welcome back to the Founded on Christ podcast. We have, or I should say I have, though tonight it's we, I have the email address foundedonchristpodcast at gmail.com where people can send in their testimonies and any other doctrinal uh, recordings that they've made. Um, But tonight, it's another special podcast. I have Colleen and Guy and my wife Amanda with me again, and we have, we are going to be talking on this subject of polygamy. We're going to be going about what the scriptures have to say about that, some of the other things associated with it, with hopefully some good discourse between us. So I'm going to throw the talking stick over to Colleen to get us going here. We should really have a talking stick. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're such rebel rousers. It's yeah. so hard to keep track of who's talking. <laughs> Just don't beat each other with a talking stick. <laughs> yeah. Does it say ouch when you hit somebody with a talking stick? <laughs> like, watch where you're aiming. Um, now, this topic is kind of very dividing, I guess, um, in this church society. Um, it's becoming more so of late, I think. I don't think it was for a while, but it has. Yeah. It's started. Yeah. Or maybe that's just our viewpoint. <laughs> as as yes. someone, as you start to study it, you start to realize how divided our not only our church, but how you know other churches that revolved in the restoration, how divided they are over this. Yeah. So I just we just want to this is gonna be a podcast that <laughs> I guess goes against polygamy. <laughs> that it is not a celestial law. Now if you're foundation is not strong um, and you're going to get angry at some (laughs) of the things that we talk about or get confused or something like that then maybe you should stop it right here (laughs) and wait until you can come in calmly. You've um, cleared out the negative vibes, I guess, um, so that you can come in open-minded, like we all have about this subject. Um, because we kind of we all grew up in the church, mm-hmm. and so it's always been there in the background um this polygamy subject um i think most of us well three of us are siblings so obviously but (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm not sure about curtis but i'm sure he has some polygamy in his ancestry i think so i'm not positive but i think so (laughs) yeah So we have, we definitely have um, polygamy in our ancestry. Um, So it's not that we're denying that it happened. 
or condemning those who practiced it because that's what they knew. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so we want to kind of look into the scriptures and um, kind of give you our point of view. And we also, um, I'm guessing in the comments or some, not in the comments, what is it? The description. The description. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Curtis will um, stick a bunch of resources that we've um, gone through and we trust and we've prayed about and um, received our own revelation on. So um, if you have any questions or anything like that about some of the things that we say or that we found, definitely take a look at those because they will definitely help you with um, probably understanding where we're coming from a little bit more. So um, we're going to start with Jacob, obviously, <laughs> in the Book of Mormon, chapter 2. Starting with verse 23. But the word of God burdens me because of your grosser crimes. For behold, thus saith the Lord, this people began to wax in iniquity. They understand not the scriptures, for they seek to excuse themselves in committing whoredoms because of the things which were written concerning David and Solomon his son. Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which was which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord, I have led this people forth out of the land of Jerusalem by the power of mine arm, that I might raise up unto me a righteous branch from a fruit from the fruit of the loins of Joseph. Wherefore, I, the Lord God, will not suffer that this people shall do like unto them of old. Wherefore, my brethren, hear me, and hearken to the word of the Lord. For there shall not any man among you have save it be one wife, and concubines he shall have none. For I, the Lord God, delight in the chastity of women, and whoredoms are an abomination before me. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Wherefore, this people shall keep my commandments, saith the Lord of hosts, or cursed be the land for their sakes. And if I will, saith the Lord of hosts, raise up seed unto me, I will command my people, otherwise they shall hearken unto these things. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I think... Mm, I, Everybody in the church reading that scripture probably doesn't have an issue with that. No. And the Book of Mormon, and this is the primo chapter on it, but the Book of Mormon is pretty straightforward on how marriage is supposed to be practiced. And I don't think it's, it's not until you have a question in your mind about these things. It's not until you're curious about all of this, I think, that some of these things start to 
stick out to you. And, and obviously that last verse that Amanda read, everyone uses as justification that you know, the entire chapter builds to talking about how multiple wives and concubines is wrong. And then they have that verse 30 where people are like, okay, but this says, if the Lord says it's okay, then it's okay. Yeah. But that actually, if you look at how that is used, that's an incorrect interpretation of it. Um, earlier in that chapter, you have Jacob talking about how the Lord took these people away so he could raise up a righteous branch unto himself. And so in verse 30, when he says that he wants to raise up righteous seed to him, when he's talking about, I will command them, he's saying that he will have to come before his people and use the prophets to tell them the truth, tell them to abstain from evil practices in order to raise up his righteous seed. Because if he doesn't, they will hearken to these things. Now, what people, they say these things, what that is referring to throughout the entire chapter is the whoredoms and the horrible things that are going on at that time. And what Jacob just uh, profoundly denounces is wrong. Mm -hmm. Which so, is exactly why the Lord said he wanted to lead his people away, away is to get rid of those things. Yeah, and in order to raise a righteous seed up to himself, he had to, he has to command people not to do these things yep. if he wants a righteous seed raised up to him. Yeah, and when he sent Lehi out, um, he also commanded his sons to go back and get the family of Ishmael. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was exactly enough daughters of Ishmael. <laughs> one to one. <laughs> one to one. <laughs> it wasn't a let's share each other, you know, like mm -hmm. it was a monogamous relationship between every single person involved in that expedition out of Jerusalem mm -hmm. and to the promised land. Yep. So, so the way we, the way we read that scripture and we use it to justify the way that previous leaders have lived is actually taking it in the opposite of how it's actually intended. When you look at the verse in context with the entire chapter and how it uses certain terminology. If you look at the way Jacob talks, mm -hmm. it actually becomes pretty straightforward. Not only that, but you look at the um, chiasmus that's in that chapter, which that's a whole thing by itself, but people who understand what that is will know what that is. But that verse ends up becoming the center point, which is in a, when you teach using a chiasmus, the center point is the main point. It is the point to drive home. Everything that precedes it and everything after it reflects back to that main point. And if you read that and you look at it, that verse, section or verse 30, talking about Lord raising up righteous seed, that is the center point. That's the point that he's trying to drive home to everybody, that the Lord will command his people on how to live righteously. Otherwise, they devolve themselves into all sorts of debauchery, all sorts of 
problems with this. It's almost like polygamy is almost the default sin that people um, go back into if they're not commanded to specifically not do it. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the implications yeah. of the scripture. Because yeah, because they say um, you need to raise up a righteous seed, you mm-hmm. know, and they automatically assume, okay, how many wives can I get? Yeah. You know, and how many kids can I raise up? Um, Which, if if that was the case, I mean, there are other ways for the Lord to increase his people and have more children. I mean, how many twins or triplets or, you know, multiple, multiple children could he send to a people if he was really wanting to increase... The number, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. And, and to Colleen's point, if if the previous interpretation of verse thirty is correct, then the Lord never uses it when He should use it. <laughs> you look at all the times where the Lord really needed to start raising up a whole bunch of righteous people right from the get go, and it's never used in the Garden of Eden. It's yeah, Adam and Eve. A new world. You got to populate it, right? Yeah. So that, that'd be a perfect time. Yeah. And That's, when Noah comes along. Exactly. A brand new world. Yep. And when Lehi leaves and starts a whole new society in the Americas, or when the brother of Jared and his family leave and come over to the Americas, and yet... As far as we can tell, no one is ever commanded to practice polygamy in any of those instances. And so they kind of, you have to kind of raise your eyebrow at that a little bit. And, and if what we're being taught by men does not line up with what we're being taught in the scriptures, then we should really be thinking hard about what it is we're being taught by those men. And one thing you gotta look to is in the scriptures it talks about the law of witnesses right Mm -hmm. out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established yes and how many um witnesses for polygamy can be found in the scriptures Besides, Covenants, like quiet. besides <laughs> Covenants 132. 132, honestly, that. is the only pro-polygamy scripture we have. Exactly. There's other scriptures that talk about polygamy, or they have polygamy as a subtext, mm-hmm. but none of them actually outright state that that is a righteous practice. The only places ever stated is in DNC 132. Which is only one witness. Yeah. So if... The law of witnesses in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Then it would be the same with that, right? Yeah. We'd need more than just Doctrine and Covenants 132 to be a witness that this is a celestial law. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, in the midst of the, the scriptures that Amanda read, um, it talks about David and Solomon and how everything was abominable that they did with the wives and concubines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jacob doesn't hold anything back there. He doesn't give any caveats. He says, says it was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so I've got a few um, scriptures that talk about it 
as well as the Joseph Smith translation of that actual scripture. Um, because I don't like I don't want to say evil men. <laughs> What's a different word for that? Confi- conspiring men? <laughs> I don't know. But um, took certain words out to make it fit their narrative. Their agenda. Their agenda. Um, so we want to read, well, I'll read First Kings yep. 3. And this is, the, this is the Joseph Smith translation. This is, well, I'll, right? I'll read the actual okay. original, okay. and then Amanda will read, read the, well, the Joseph Smith. It wouldn't be the original. <laughs> yeah. It'd be the revised. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's important to know what, what, we're, what Colleen is saying, <laughs> to hammer home her point. When we say, as a church, that we know that many plain and precious things we're taking out of the Bible, yes. we, are, we are living that right now in actuality, because <laughs> we're going to talk about how some plain and precious truths were removed, yes. and how that becomes fundamental. And, and this is not a hard thing to understand. You can look through different ages of how the Bible has existed, the Torah, the Deuteronomist, there has been much... Uh, much editing. <laughs> There's been a lot of people who have sought to control the words of God, so they have edited them and used them and, you know, selectively left things out so that they could control the narrative of the Bible because it's a powerful source for them. Well, yeah, it seems like, like with Josiah and the Deuteronomist, it seems like one of their main agendas was to legitimize what David and Solomon had done yep. with all the wives and concubines and legitimizing what they were probably doing themselves. Yep. And so they went back through and made all these changes and and additions to the scriptures to make it look like they were in the right yep. in doing something that we later find out when Joseph Smith restored a bunch of what they changed to find out that David and Solomon were never justified in anything they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's that's why the Samaritans were looked at down upon so dramatically because they refused to submit to the changing of the Deuteronomist to the scriptures and they were basically exiled because of it, because Mm -hmm. they stayed loyal. I mean, it's honestly, it's what you see today when you see a church break group from the other it's one looks down its nose at the others. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. And I think it's also important to note that with Joseph Smith's translation, he, quote unquote, he did finish. He did go through and like go through the, all the Bible, but he never fully compiled it into a book. And so a lot of these things are notes that he took. We still don't know how things would have fully been different if he had been allowed to finish. I, I mean, he did kind of a preliminary go through. Yes. But he had planned to go through again later and do a more thorough. Exactly. Yeah. And so just in the nature of full disclosure here, I think it's important to note that. But I do believe in the future, we will have the corrected scriptures, right? But the especially in these instances i think these notes can be pretty well relied on <laughs> yeah and we also have to remember that the the brass plates that lehi had obtained those were 
more pure. Not tampered with. Yeah. They were pure. Yep. So why would um, Jacob mention David and Solomon and not Abraham and Jacob? Yeah. I mean... You'd think if he was going to do it, like people were appealing to authority yeah. to be sanctioned in polygamy, they would have gone to the father yeah. of all nations, right? <laughs> yeah. Why would they go to David, though he was great, and Solomon, though they were great? Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't think anybody in the Jewish uh, culture would hold a candle from them to Abraham or Jacob to the fathers. So yeah. that, that is an interesting point to make, and people will kind of have to surmise <laughs> what they want yeah. from that. But. All right, so this is First Kings 3, 14. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. So let's just kind of go over this first. Um, it's pretty much saying that David kept God's commandments and that some of the commandments was polygamy. That's what I'm getting out of this. Okay, so Amanda's going to read the actual Joseph Smith translation to that. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, then I will lengthen thy days, and thou shalt not walk in unrighteousness as did thy father David. <laughs> wow. It's, it's amazing what one, one little letter, or sorry, one little word yep. can change the scripture. <laughs> so in the, Did not walk. In what was passed down to us is saying yeah. that David was rock walking in, in, you know, with the Lord and, and stuff like that. But when Joseph Smith revised it, David wasn't putting that good of a light. Yeah. Which, like I was saying earlier... You had Josiah and have the Deuteronomist they're going through and they're trying to paint David as a righteous man. Yeah. And um and he all was the things up that to a he point. did and the things that he did as being right. Yeah. Yeah. And to Amanda's point, this there's more than one word, but that was just the difference between walking in righteousness and not walking in righteousness is pretty Dramatic change. Yeah. All right, the next one, First Kings eleven four through six. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after. Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did his, as did David his father. So, Magna can read the JST. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, and it became as the heart of David his father. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, as David his father. 
and went not fully after the Lord. Once again, it's not, whereas what we have is holding David up as a standard. And here he's being decried for what he's doing. And though there are, there are probably multiple things you could heap up onto David's plate, one of the most egregious things he did was have multiple wives and concubines. Yeah. Um, and the last one that we have, the Joseph Smith translation, is Second Samuel 12. And um, verse 13. Let me get it. And it says, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath not put away thy sin that thou shalt not die. There's that one word again. Yep. Not. Yep. Basically saying, hey, yeah, you're not you're not free of all the stuff you've done yet. <laughs> you haven't <laughs> I mean, repented. just think of his <laughs> actual wife, okay? Just think of all the repentance he has to do yeah. to be forgiven by her. Yeah. You know? Well, it's like, what we read in Imagine what Jacob she's two, right? still probably going through, you know? Yeah. All that heartbreak. The Lord delights in the chastity of women, right? And I, I think because polygamy has become such a thing in our culture, I think sometimes we forget how how important that is to the Lord. Yeah. All right. The next thing that we wanted to go into was DNC um for Christmas <laughs> Yay, guy. <laughs> uh, guy actually got all of us the well guy could probably explain it better because I'll probably botch it <laughs> like the dates and everything but and there was there was a set of of um, reproductions of the originals for a bunch of the early church books. We got a reproduction of the Book of Mormon, the original Book of Mormon. We got a copy of the original Book of Commandments in 1933. Which was before the Doctrine and Covenants was established. Well, yeah, because the Book of Commandments was never actually distributed because the press was destroyed and there weren't weren't many surviving copies. And so they later um, recompiled everything and made the Doctrine and Covenants. So you have the 1933 Book of Commandments reproduction and then you have the 19 or 1835 reproduction of the Doctrine and Covenants, mm-hmm. and also an original hymn book reproduction. And was there another one, or was that it? Well, I don't know. If you know. I think that might have been it. Well, you get the reproduction set. Yeah, yeah, the reproduction set. 
But the reason why, though, is... <laughs> go ahead, Corey. <laughs> well, the reason why we bring this up is because um, in the, the Old Doctrine and Covenants, um, chapter... Section. Section. Oh, section 101. <laughs> yep. um, it's actually the section on marriage. Yep. And um, there was no section on polygamy, mind you. At this point in time. At yes. this point in time. The section on polygamy did not come about until 1876. 1876. And they took out. And they took the, out. This thing on marriage to put in. Section 132. It was at this time they removed the original Section 101 and they added Section 132. Many, many years after just Many, many, many years. Now, it's important also to note that uh, this original Section 101 was received by the church by common consent. It was was canon, so to speak. Joseph Smith signed off on it. Whether or not who wrote it, it was signed off by Joseph and it was received by the church by common and consent. And they presented it to the church mm-hmm. and had them, through the law of common consent, they all voted to include it in first the Book of Commandments and then the original Doctrine and Covenants. Yep. So pretty much like how we sustain... They sustained this book as in many ways how we prophecy and yeah, well, not just the book, the section, yeah, like specifically, yeah, specifically, yep. So, anyway, Amanda's gonna read that. It's not a very big section, but it does speak, it's pretty loud, (laughs) yeah, it's very direct. It's only four verses. According to the custom of all civilized nations, marriage is regulated by laws and ceremonies. Therefore, we believe that all marriages in this Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints should be solemnized solemnized in a public meeting or feast prepared for that purpose, and that the solemnization should be performed by a presiding high priest, high priest, bishop, elder, or priest, not even prohibiting those persons who are desirous to get married of being married by other authority. We believe that it is not right to prohibit members of this church from marrying out of the church, if it be their determination so to do. But such persons will be considered weak in the faith of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. Marriage should be celebrated with prayer and thanksgiving, and at the solemnization, the persons to be married standing together, the man on the right and the woman on the left, shall be addressed by the person officiating as he shall be directed by the Holy Spirit. And if there be no legal objections, he shall say, calling each by their names, you both mutually agree to be each other's companion, husband and wife, observing the legal rights belonging to 
this condition, that is, keeping yourself holy for each other and from all others during your lives. And when they have answered yes, he shall pronounce them husband and wife in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by virtue of the laws of the country and authority vested in him. May God add his blessings and keep you to fulfill your covenants from henceforth and forever. Amen. The clerk of every church should keep a record of all marriages solemnized in this branch. All legal contracts of marriage made before a person is baptized into this church should be held sacred and fulfilled. Inasmuch as this church of Christ has been reproached with the crime of fornication and polygamy, we declare that we believe that one man should have one wife and one woman but one husband, except in case of death, when either is at liberty to marry again. It is not right to persuade a woman to be baptized contrary to the will of her husband, neither is it lawful to influence her to leave her husband. All children are bound by law to obey their parents, and in and to influence them to embrace any religious faith or be baptized or leave their parents without their consent is unlawful and unjust. We believe that all persons who exercise control over their fellow beings and prevent them from embracing the truth will have to answer for that sin. Ooh. <laughs> Snap. So amidst, you know, a bunch of set-piecing saying that marriage is between a man and a woman, it basically comes out and condemns polygamy (laughs) and fornication straight out like Mm -hmm. it just straight up says it (laughs) well many people nowadays would have you think because of a bunch of revisions and stuff early that while at one one point joseph was was teaching this i mean it says in there basically straightforward like in this church, we've people have accused us of, us of fornication and of polygamy, and we'll tell you right now, we don't believe that. Yep. Only one husband and one wife at a time. Yep. And then at the beginning, it talks about how every marriage should be performed in a public ceremony. Mm-hmm. And yet they would have us believe at the same time that Joseph was off doing secret marriages to yep. multiple wives at the same time. Yep. Everything was done in private. Yep. Even though it says public. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, And so you have to kind of ask yourself, you know, if Joseph was a prophet, did he just get it wrong the first time? Or <laughs> was, you know, why, why would the Lord tell him one thing at one point and then reverse it completely you know, supposedly later on, I think it's well. I think people have made have made the point that oh, this is nineteen thirty or eighteen. I keep saying nineteen eighteen thirty five, right? Yes, yeah, and like that, that was before he was. But at the same time, other people later 
30 years later, were testifying that he was seal it, being sealed to more than one wife earlier than that, right? Yeah. But not only that, this same section is included in the 1844, the year Joseph was martyred. Yep. It was included in the 1844 Doctrine All the way up till it was removed in 76. Yep. So 35 all the way to 76, it was in there. Yeah, it remained in there along, you know, during the time that Joseph supposedly would have been practicing polygamy in private. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I had something. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's gone. (laughs) May it come back. (laughs) Um, but you kind of look at it and you know that, I mean, God doesn't make you do things in private or secret. He's always like been plain about everything. You even hear that from all, maybe not all, but a lot of the the prophets, you mm-hmm. know, like he Nephi, speaks in plainness. Yeah, Nephi glorifies in plainness. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that... In fact, it seems that the more serious the doctrine, the more straightforward and plain it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if, if Joseph was commanded to live polygamy, then he would have shouted it from the rooftops. Yeah. Uh, Someone made the point, you know, and and this has been a long journey for all of us, right? But someone made the point to me at one point, why would Joseph actively talk about the first vision and all the hate and ire that it gave him by talking about that? But then when it came time to talk about the doctrine of plurality of wives, he would keep it a secret, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't make any sense to how the Lord works with his prophet. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to Joseph's mission and how he lived his life. Um, and the, the, the lessons he learned along the process of translating the Book of Mormon to act upon when the Lord asked him to do things, uh, you see that you know, pretty much from the time that he loses the manuscript on, he never really hesitates to do what it is the Lord asks him to do. Yeah. And that that doesn't jive with the account that we're given of Joseph being commanded to, to practice polygamy. All of that kind of flies in the face of how Joseph lived his entire life up to that point. Yeah. And even Emma... Till her dying day, always um, denied, denied that Joseph well, had more than one wife. And e- people, yeah. Even Joseph made statements like, here's one, I believe it was a month before he was martyred. He said this um, For the last three years, I have a record of all my acts and proceedings, for I have kept several good, faithful, and efficient clerks in constant employ. They have accompanied me everywhere and carefully kept my history. And they have written down what I have done, where I've been, and what I have said. Therefore, my enemies cannot charge me with any day, time, or place 
but what I have written testimony to prove my actions, and my enemies cannot prove anything against me. Another indictment has been got up against me. It appears a holy prophet has risen up. He has testified against me. I had not been married scarcely five minutes and made one proclamation of the gospel before it was reported that I have seven wives. I mean to live and proclaim the truth as long as I can. This new holy prophet, which William Law, apparently, has gone to Carthage and swore that I have told him that I am guilty of adultery. This spiritual wifeism, why a man dares not speak or weak for fear of being accused of this. And he goes on to talk about William Law testifying. Um, and he later says, I am innocent of all these charges, and you can bear witness of my innocence, for you know me yourselves. What thing it is for a man to be accused of committing adultery and having seven wives when I can only find one. I am the same man and as innocent as I was 14 years ago, and I can prove them all perjurers. So you have that, which was a month before he was martyred. And he publicly proclaimed that all these rumors about him having multiple wives mm -hmm. is false and he's innocent of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's everything that is least subject to change by anybody who would have an agenda, which is, you know, the things that Joseph said in public, he was actively fighting against polygamy at every turn. Mm -hmm. uh, especially, him and Hiram. Yeah, him both. and Hiram, both. Yeah. And, and especially as the heat kind of got turned up in Nauvoo, mm -hmm. right up to the martyrdom, they were pretty staunchly against it. And they were excommunicating and getting rid of people who were yeah. living it. I mean, which goes in harmony with what DNC 101, which is the revelation they received, states. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off there. I mean, John C. Bennett. If you look in the Joseph Smith papers, it talks about the things that Joseph had against him that he was excommunicated for and the things that he was communicated for specifically was adultery and teaching polygamy. Mm -hmm. And yet others would have you think that he was doing it too all along the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I've just come to believe that, I mean, you can't, you can't hide what the Lord has commanded you to do, you know, mm -hmm. like Jonah and the whale, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> you're going to be found and you're going to be eaten by a whale because you're not doing as I'm telling you, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. And I love the, I love that Emma stuck by that, you know, like she what? is an elect, she, by the Lord's yeah, the own Lord, words, the she's Lord's, an elect lady. The Lord's she a character witness for Emma. 
and he <laughs> called Emma an elect lady. Yep. And later on, she was pretty much villainized. I can say, and up till this thing with polygamy, no one would besmirch Emma's character. Exactly. There's nothing along the entire history of what they've been through that says that she would have lied or or tried to distort the truth or whatever. She was uh, an honest, virtuous woman, uh, and she bore many trials of many different kinds and stood adamantly with Joseph through them all. Yeah. And so the fact that Emma is so staunchly against it, I think should have a lot more weight to us than I think a lot of people mm-hmm. give her credit for. Yeah, it's because they think that Joseph hid it from her. <laughs> and that's why. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the Lord's not going to hide yeah. something that is celestial law. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. I Yeah. I mean, what greater character witness than you, can you have than from God calling somebody elect, you know? Yep. I mean, I think Joseph and Emma were very much equally yoked yes. in their character and in, in their level of progression and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that when you start to understand the nature of ascension, as the Lord outlines it, you realize that in order for people to do that correctly, they need somebody who is equally in step with them as they are. Exactly. And it, it speaks to both Joseph, Joseph and Emma's character together that Mm -hmm. where they are at in their ascension level, they, they exonerate each other really. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And and, you know, that kind of reminds me of, like, Abraham and Sarai and... Or S- Abram and Sarai or yeah. Abraham and Sarah? <laughs> I always get that. They're the same person, same person but they're, like, different, different names. names. <laughs> and also Jacob and Rachel, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they were, you know, probably destined to be together mm-hmm. it was probably all set up from the foundation of the world yeah. the prophets and their help meets along their side yeah yeah and we kind of want to go into how well like what about abraham you know he had a concubine and and um he married and he had other children well he did. That's what's written anyway, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that is what's written. <laughs> but um, Hagar, that's her name, right? Hagar. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. She was actually given to Abraham by Sarah. Yeah. And she was a handmaiden. And yeah, she was a handmaiden. She, yeah. Well, back then they didn't have fancy fertility clinics and yeah. and in vitro fertilization and all that stuff. So back then, if you couldn't have a kid, 
it was through have to do it through a surrogate. Yeah, no. you, yeah. you had to pick a, someone to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And that's, it didn't, in fact, that's one of the things that uh, Hagar has an issue with later on and why she's later, you know, removed from the camp is that she thought that meant that she was given higher status than she really was. And it was really the fact that she was doing in place of Sarai. Yeah. She, she wasn't elevated to the status of a wife. She was be, she was serving this function for her, her mistress. Yeah. Yeah. And it also brings up the, the fact that, like we said, the law of witnesses, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And yeah, you have going to that. the law of witnesses that all over in the scriptures, you have people talking about Abraham sacrificing his son. Yep. His only begotten And son. every time, even when the Lord talks about it in the Doctrine and Covenants, Isaac is referred to as Abraham's only son. Yep. Yeah, I think it says that in there four Ishmael times throughout the scriptures. From Hagar. And yeah. then you have the one witness in Genesis where it talks about Isaac or Ishmael being Abraham's son as well. Yeah. Which makes you wonder who's... I mean, <laughs> you have all sorts of justification and rationalizations that people have used. Yeah. But... It could very well be that when Josiah and the Deuteronomists were changing and revising stuff to legitimize what David and Solomon were doing and the many wives they had themselves, that they could have added this part about Abraham. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you have... I think it's, what, four instances in the scriptures where different people are talking about Abraham sacrificing his only son compared to the one instance where it talks about Abraham having another son. And that probably won't be resolved completely until we get the full uh, scriptures purified. Mm-hmm. But I think there's enough of a question there that you can take that, study it out, and you can take that question to the Lord and, and see where truth leads you. Well, and then it was, it was as you can see, it wasn't a commandment of the Lord. Yes, that's very important. Even <laughs> that if, is like even super if we believe, important. Yes, even if we believe. The Lord the didn't come and say... You need to have a child with Hagar. It was Sarah who didn't believe the Lord and that blessing that she was going to have a a son. son. Yeah. And then gave up and is like, you need to have a son with, um, you need to have a son with her because I'm old. I can't give you one. She didn't believe in herself and she didn't have faith enough to believe, you know, obviously until she did get pregnant and have a child. And, you know, how do you think she felt after that was like, I was stupid. Why did I do that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she might not have thought that. And seriously, you think that Abraham, after everything he'd been through, 
look, I mean, you think he'd really send his own son off into the wilderness to die if he was a, a righteous prophet and stuff like that? Yeah, it kind of I mean, throws the whole the whole count we have in Genesis. It makes you wonder. <laughs> yeah. But the same thing happens again with Jacob mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. He well, granted, it skips a generation. Yeah, it skips it skips Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac and Rebecca, yeah. they stayed monogamous. And then the only reason Jacob has two wives is because he gets tricked. Tricked, yeah. He didn't really sign up he, for he that. Was, he was only in for one. <laughs> yeah. He wanted Rebecca. Yeah. Or Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. He wanted Rachel. <laughs> yeah. But, the Lord didn't come and be like, go come to Laban and be like, yeah. Laban, yeah. give Leah this because she needs me. to be married first before Rachel can, yes. you know. Yeah. And then once again, these, these women start with their handmaidens because mm-hmm. they want righteous seed, especially it starts Rachel. with Rachel again. It's like, <laughs> I can't have children. So here, here's a surrogate to yeah. have children for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so this, there's this whole thing there, but none of it is ever sanctioned by the Lord as a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, some people might, you know, I mean, it was, it was cultural. Yeah. It's like a cultural norm at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, culturally, that was the way they were raised. So it wasn't, I mean, the Lord allows this to go on in this celestial world, right? But it's not a celestial law. It's just allowed under certain conditions. That's the woman giving the woman yeah. You know, and it's only because of a tradition. But anyway, um, we, you guys are probably wondering why talk about polygamy and then not talk about 132. Yeah, we've kind of danced around it, but we haven't really <laughs> talked about it. Yeah. Well, because we're not planning to talk about it. <laughs> to talk about it (laughs) yeah i think there's some points well i'll just make this one up front because we talked about dnc 101 being received by common consent which is the way that was prescribed by revelation the original section on marriage yeah was received and voted for and common consent by everyone in the church at the time yeah when that when Brigham Young inserted DNC 132 into the Doctrine and Covenants, it was not done by common consent. No, nope, it was just like, here you go. Yeah, they, they kind of just announced it was happening. And it was the same with the removal yeah. of 101 at the same time. That was not done by the consent of everybody. It wasn't, you know, sustained by the general membership of the, of the church. It was done by the leaders unanimously. Unilaterally, I guess is what I'm it's like. Say. Surprise! <laughs> I'm judging. We've really five, been, uh, we've really been doing this polygamy stuff. Hush, hush. <laughs> like the Lord does not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm judging by the response of a lot of people in the church at Six the time. Six thousand people left because they of it. wouldn't have gotten common consent. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people left Utah at the time that that happened. Yeah. So 
everyone, you read the section heading to DNC 132, and it says, Revelation received by Joseph Smith, right? And there, there is a huge, you know, glaring red flag there with everything that we've been talking about tonight. Um, I think what I'm going to say to that is, it, I think it behooves every member of the church... I was going to qualify that. No, I'm just going to leave it there. I think I think every member of the church should look into where DNC 132 came from, the story about how it came about, and why Brigham Young sat on it for 30 years, or you know, however long it was. Kept it safe in his desk. Yeah. Locked away. Yeah. A copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah. Of something that Joseph Smith got years ago. Yeah. There, there's, there's enough information there and that'll probably be rife in the stuff that we're going to link in the bottom that I think everyone should at least take a look at it and decide what they think and feel about it. There's so uh, many good resources on YouTube of people that have done so much more yeah, than we um, can do in such a short time. So much more research than we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, people just, I mean, down to the depth, like some people have looked at syntax and how things are in that like versus how joseph received revelation versus what that that section sounds like uh you know the way it's constructed all of those things you can look at and take a look and and try to decide for yourself how you feel about it but i don't think it's a big secret that all of us here think that there's something wrong (laughs) with that section and it's definitely worth the time to look at yeah and we will Remember at the beginning of the podcast, I said that um, Curtis will put links to some um, good, good resources. These are like people that have done a lot of research and are very humble and they're members of the church and they're just like, you need to kind of go in with. Uh, broken heart and yeah. a contrite spirit yep. um, like, to be able to receive like those. the Lord requires of us yeah. right? yep. you have to be a humble follower of truth no matter where it yeah. is the truth is Yeah. no matter how uncomfortable it may make you or what traditions or what understandings it may challenge and that's what the Lord requires yeah. right? For, for real answers that's what the real intent is that's where the faith mm-hmm. comes in. He asks you to to come to him with those questions mm-hmm. to get them answered. So, yep. um, yeah. But we wanted to kind of finish with um, still Jacob 2, like the last part of it. Yep. So finish where we began. Yeah. Yep. We're a chiasmus. <laughs> <laughs> Come forth full circle. (laughs) Okay, starting in verse 31. For behold, I, the Lord, have seen the sorrow and heard the mourning of the daughters of my people in the land of Jerusalem. Yea, and in all of the lands of my people because of the wickedness and abominations of their husbands. And I will not suffer, saith the Lord of hosts, that the cries of the fair daughters of this people, which I have led out of the land of Jerusalem, shall come up unto me against the men of my people, saith the Lord of hosts. 
For they shall not lead away captive the daughters of my people because of their tenderness, save I shall visit them with a sore curse, even unto destruction, for they shall not commit whoredoms like unto them of old, saith the Lord of hosts. And now behold, my brethren, ye know that these commandments were given to our father Lehi, wherefore ye have known them before, and ye have come unto great condemnation, for ye have done these things which ye ought not to have done. Behold, ye have done greater iniquities than the Lamanites, our brethren. Ye have broken the hearts of your tender wives, and lost the confidence of your children, because of your bad examples before them, and the sobbings of their hearts ascend up to God against you, and because of the strictness of the word of God, which cometh down against you, many hearts died, pierced with deep wounds. Ouch. Yeah. I. To be a woman back then. I like how he, uh, basically the Lord's saying, hey, this is exactly why I brought you out of Jerusalem, so that you won't be doing this stuff. And yet you're going right back to it, and I don't want you to. Yeah. That's basically the overall theme I get from that. It's like, yeah. just going right back to to those things which I brought you out of Jerusalem for. Mm-hmm. He says he heard the cries of the daughters of Jerusalem over this thing, and now he's starting to hear the same thing from the people he let out. Mm-hmm. And there's some, there's some indication while reading that, that the Lord, those that practice that, on this promised land will not prosper. <laughs> he basically talks about the curse. He yeah. talks about a curse that would be on the land if they continued. Yep. And if you look at the history of every people who have been practicing that law, it has not gone well for any of them. Well, even in our own history. In our own history, yep. Things were going terribly, and they're pretty much on the brink of destruction if they didn't stop yep. doing polygamy, right? Yeah. To the point that yeah, Wil- Wilfred Woodruff basically says, if we don't do this, we will not survive. And ironically enough, if you want to go read the conference and read Brigham Young's address when 132 is instated and the prophecies he makes about polygamy, and where it's going to go and what it's going to be. Well, he basically said, <laughs> if America, if the United States of America doesn't accept polygamy as a true doctrine, they're going to be destroyed within 30 years. Yep. And yet all of those prophecies he gave, they were brought upon the saints, not upon America. And yeah. it cur- we're cursed. Yep. So. Yep. And uh, and. Colleen's pointed this out before, but I think it's interesting that the Salt Lake Temple was never really fully finished until after polygamy was, uh, what's the word, disclaimed from the saints in full force. Yeah, I've kind of 
the spirit kind of whispered to me one time, like, have you ever thought about why it took 40 years for the actual temple to be constructed? Like, and you, you see in all the, um, the past, uh, scriptures and stories that it took 40 years for Moses and the people of, like they had to wander yeah. 40 years before they were righteous enough to be able to enter the promised land that they were promised. Yep. And it just, it just stuck out to me. The spirit was like, maybe you should look into that a little bit. Like why did it take 40 years yeah. for them to, they started it, but then it took them 40 years to actually finally get it built because uh, some people weren't around by that time. So, yeah. So yeah, you want to, you want to test what is true. You can test it by their fruits. Right. And Jacob makes some pretty strong prophecies, more or less. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people look at it that way, but he does. He gives promises in prophetic form as to what will happen for people who don't listen to what he is preaching. Mm -hmm. And you can see that that has been exacted throughout U.S. history for those that have or have not. And mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a good thing for us to look at with the fruits of any practice to I judge mean, it by its merits. I mean, a curse is a fruit in and of itself, right? Yeah. 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 And, and when I say fruits, too, like, I think a lot of people will look at polygamy and they'll say, well, look at all these wonderful children. Look at all this generation we brought to us. And I would say that that is not the fruit of polygamy. If you're using that to justify polygamy, then those people who've come about because of rape or incest, it doesn't make rape and incest okay. Yeah. Right? It's not the people that come from it. I'm, it's sure, I'm sure in everybody's line, if you go back far enough, you have... We're all here because of something like that. Yeah. Somewhere along the line. A large right? amount of, of the saints, especially in the Utah area, can probably tie their history back to <laughs> polygamy. But that doesn't, that's not the fruit I'm talking about. The fruit is is how people draw nearer to God with or without and how the scriptures teach that. Um, yeah. And, I, and before we move away, I think we're getting close to the end here. But something I just thought about as we were reading that, if... Verse 30 really is what the church is trying to say it says, where it's a disclaimer. It doesn't make any sense that Jacob spends his entire sermon up to that point denouncing it. He gives one verse to disclaim it, and then he spends the entire rest of his sermon disclaiming it. If that really was uh, an exception clause, he would have explained it further. He would have talked about it more, mm -hmm. and he would have used those who would you know have and talked about that but he doesn't yeah. and so the fact that it it isn't and that it is in harmony with saying that polygamy is not something that god teaches tracks with the entire chapter and context once again yeah um before we end i've got like a list of monogamists 
<laughs> and polygamists yeah. in through, the scriptures, right? yeah, through the scriptures, church history. history, yeah. And it's interesting that the monogamists are all those that had to populate, you know, a right have a righteous seed, mm-hmm. and then the polygamists were they didn't they didn't need to bring up any you know righteous seed, yeah. Um, some of the monogamists were Adam, Adam and Eve's children, Cain, Noah, Japheth, Shem, Ham. This is interesting. Saved animals on the ark. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a good point. If, I mean, once again, if the Lord wanted to populate the world he probably would right. have had multiple <laughs> right. right but even with the animals they were one by one yeah <laughs> yep or two by two yeah you know what I mean two by two one of each yes thank yep. you okay <laughs> Tara Abraham Lot Isaac Moses Lehi Tara's in here twice I don't know if that's a different Tara or not that's the father of Abraham, right? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Uh, Laman, Lemuel, Nephi, Sam, Jacob, Zoram, King Benjamin's people, King Lamoni, 2,500 Nephites, and Emma Smith. Mm-hmm. Those are just all it's the monogamous. smattering, that, like yeah. good and bad. Yeah. And then polygamous... I mean, well, if you look at the monogamists, um, like Adam, it wasn't Adam and Eve and Stacy and Samantha and, <laughs> and Sarah and Julie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they, and they had to populate this world, you know? Um, well, and it's if, pretty much the same with all of these people. Well, I was about to say, if, if you take Jewish legend, there was always Lilith, but she was gone. <laughs> she was gone before Eve showed up, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole podcast right there. That's right. <laughs> and then polygamists were Lamech, Nahor. It also has Abraham, but you know, well, Abraham's on. But both that's a question mark. He's on both sides. Yeah. Abraham's on both, yeah. and also Jacob. That's on both sides because some people assume, but. Esau, Eliphaz, Gideon, Elkanah, Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Ahab, Jehe, yeah, I can't pronounce that name, <laughs> Caleb, Asher, Manasseh, Shaharim, Abiha, Jeharah, okay, I some of these I can't. Yeah. Joash, Zedekiah, Belshazzar, King Noah, King Noah's priests, and Riplakesh. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to repopulate. So some of the worst of the worst of the yeah. yeah. scriptures. Yeah. And you you got good and bad people on both sides of yeah. that, technically. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to <laughs> put that in there that those those monogamists were the ones that were supposed to populate the earth, but they only had 
one wife, one husband. Mm -hmm. And then here's the polygamists who they just did it because they could. Mm So agency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so. Well, closing, (laughs) who wants to, wants to start? (laughs) Well, I'd say that listening to that list, I mean, for most of that list of, of that second list she read, the scriptures really don't have much nice to say about most of those people. Mm -hmm. Um, King Noah doesn't say anything good about him, Mm -mm. except for one priest but Alma was a monogamist anyway, right? He was the only one of the priests of Noah that only had one wife. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just a list of things that the scriptures doesn't say very nice things about, usually. Yeah. So. Um, But yeah, I... That's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of light in the in the idea of one man and one woman, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're created in pairs, kind of like halves of a whole, yin and yang. And the goal is to eventually be together with somebody for eternity, right? Mm-hmm. two halves made whole for eternity and then to give that chance to others to your children mm-hmm. and I know that has great life in my mind for me and and I feel the spirit about that and I know it's true mm-hmm. and I say it in the name of Jesus Christ Amen mm-hmm. Um I'll just ask that um, you guys have an open mind about it. I know that traditions and culture, um, especially of the church, um, will have you thinking, you know, everything that we said was just too much, you know, like... And some people are probably like, why do you even care? Why are you even bringing it up? (laughs) You know, and the reason is eventually, supposedly, since the, since things come back around (laughs) again, supposedly polygamy is supposed to be coming back around, (laughs) you know, because in the scriptures, it says it's a celestial, well, in the DNC, yeah, in 132, the only place says that it's a celestial law and you have the only well, it way says that, that anybody who isn't living it is going to be basically you you won't be able to make it to yeah. basically damnation or whatever yeah and so that means everybody in that monogamy list <laughs> yep <laughs> they're not gonna make it not gonna make it because they didn't live the the law of the celestial kingdom. Yeah. So I would just ask that you go to the Lord and you have an open mind 
and be able to receive your own answers, not through the flesh of those that, that I don't want to say lied, <laughs> though it's true. There were, there were lyings, um, no matter which things. side you lay yeah. on it, somebody You're, was lying. Someone was lying. You have to figure out who, okay? Yeah. And you need to go to the Lord and ask for the truth mm -hmm. and the understanding and be able to find your truth out of all of this. We're just here to kind of point you in whichever direction that you're choosing, you know, to go. So, um, but I know that, that we can be together eternally forever and you don't need polygamy to do it. And I don't want other women to assume that they're going to be lost forever <laughs> if they are not married and they're not married and are somebody's third or fourth wife, you know? Um, I want them to be able to not have to, like Jacob says... cry unto the Lord because of their husband's fornications and, and evil doings. Um, I want them to be happy. I want to be happy. Um, and I know that we'll get there um, when we find the truths in this gospel. And so we just... We just wanted to do this podcast to be able to help you find which way you feel like you need to go. We just ask that you pray about it and continue to be humble and love one another in spite of which direction that they go. And so I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Go ahead, guys, guys raising his hand. <laughs> guys raising his hand. Time wants yes. to go again. I thought I was done, but something just came to mind. Um, it used to be in the olden days that the Lord asked the people to sacrifice um, animals, but when Christ came and paid for our sins, and He was the Lamb that was sacrificed. From then on, he's just asked us for just two things, and that is to come to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And that's what being open-minded really is, I think, is, you know, bringing yourself down. I mean, there's some things that you learn. I think Moroni put it pretty plainly when he talked about the time when we were to awaken to our awful situation. And 
there are some things that you learn and some things that you realize that really do break your heart mm -hmm. and make your and bring your spirit down low and contrite and I mean that's the way it's supposed to be that's the only way we can really learn is if we allow ourselves to get to that point where we can come to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit and show him that we're willing to put everything that we believe or everything we think that we believe upon the altar and sacrifice it to him um, to show that we want to be taught by him. And I just want to end my part by saying that and do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Are you sure you're done, guy? Yes. <laughs> Unless Curtis says something. I think that's a really good point. I think of, uh, of Joseph, right? He talked about how he's a rough stone rolling and the only polishing he got is when he, he hit something hard. Right, and it knocked him, <laughs> and that's the polishing he got. But was when the Lord would come and and break him apart. And I think you're right that that's that's the nature of this life. And all of us, if we haven't yet, are going to eventually come, and then maybe multiple times where we have latched on to something that we think is wonderful and great, and the Lord will tell us to detach from it. And it's a hard process, whether it's, you know, a, a habit or it's a doctrine or a tradition. And, and it's sometimes it's innocent enough. People just striving to live the best they can. But we, we mix our, our fallen nature in there and then we get attached to those things and the Lord has to break us from them. And sometimes it's evil conspiring men who have their own agendas and they, they purposely mess things up because they're selfish and they want things their way and they want control or power. But I think one of the things that was highlighted to me as Colleen was reading that list of people is that if it, it's really easy to get caught up on whether or not this is something good or bad by the people who lived it and justifying it either way, right? And, and obviously you can tell how we feel about Joseph and that he didn't, but I might go as far to say that that is not even as important. I, I wanna say it's not important because it feels so important to me, but probably in the grand scheme of things, it's really not important that what's important is how God feels about it, how what God says about the practice. And I think, because we will be able to debate until the second coming, whether or not Joseph did or didn't practice polygamy. People on one side say that there is no question. People on the other say, side say that there is tons of questions and, uh, and there's contrary evidence. And we're probably not going to be able to convince each other one way or the other unless we're open. But I think that's far less uh, dramatic than trying to decide how the Lord feels on the subject. And so I think it's, it's 
good that we went through a lot of the scriptural stuff. And I would challenge anybody who who is feeling rocked by this position that we're taking to do the same thing we've done and go to the scriptures and see what the Lord has to say on the subject. And, and through that study, come to a conclusion about how you feel the Lord feels about this practice and take it to him in prayer. And with a combination of the scriptures and with prayer, you can find out the truth and the peace of it. And, and like Colleen said, this is important. Okay. And it's not, you know, finding out whether or not the Lord condemns or allows fornication or murder or lying is important. So finding out whether or not the Lord condemns or allows polygamy is important. Finding out whether or not it's an eternal law, whether or not it is in harmony with the grand scheme of ascension and the eternal rounds, whether or not it harmonizes with the grand chain of the atonement and the priesthood that extends into eternities, both directions, is important. It is, it is a, the way it is spoken about in DC 132, it is not a side doctrine. It is a fundamental piece to the salvation of God's people. And so to brush it aside is doing a disservice to each and every one of us. So I think part of the reason why we did this is so that everyone can at least stop <laughs> ignoring that fact and realizing that there is something there that we need to address. And I would say the scripture that we have, I can't think of the reference right now, but neither is the man without the woman, nor the woman without the man in the Lord. Not only is that talking about eternal principles of being together, it is giving us a strict pattern to how it is that God is who he is. He's saying there is one woman, there is one man, and they are together in being gods and being creators and being saviors. And I'll say that in the name of Jesus Christ and admonish us all to seek his face continually. Amen. Amen. Amen.